following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Uh, well, um, good morning again. I, I wrote this down before. I know it's really worship this week, so good morning. Um, uh, let's, let's pray together. Father, we've been so blessed this morning to be as, together as a family. And now as we turn our attention to your word, we pray that your spirit will speak to us through the words that you wrote so long ago. But they are still alive, sharper than any double-edged sword, able to cut through the joints and the marrow and divide soul and spirit. So, Lord, we pray that now you would do that work in our hearts, that your spirit would continue to speak as you have through these words for so many years. And we look forward to hearing from you this morning. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, <clears throat> well, I would uh, like to publicly thank um, Mr. Aaron and uh, Craig Wilkinson for bringing the word um, while I was on vacation. Um, I was here when Mr. Aaron uh, preached and and I did listen to uh, the recording of Craig's sermon or <coughs> a message if you prefer that's to prove I'm not lying I did listen <laughs> uh, and I give my amen to their words if that means anything if that's worth anything to you I really appreciate you men um, serving the Lord and the family in this way well, for me, the timing of our vacation could not have been better. Um, after finishing up our study in Ephesians and then spending the Easter season in Isaiah 53, um, we are now uh, able to get a fresh start and get back on track with our pattern of study uh, that we've been following for the past four years, believe it or not, um, which is amazing to me because I've been here this whole time. Um, it's, uh, it's been a blessing to me, anyway. Uh, since April of 2013, we've been studying the letters of the Apostle Paul uh, in, the, uh, in the order in which they were originally delivered. Um, <clears throat> this, is not the, um, this is not the order that you find them in your Bibles um, until we get to these, uh, these next two or three. Um, and so this is just, um, this is not trivia. I use the word trivia, but that's not what I mean. Because um, uh, it's not trivial, it's important. Uh, just so you're aware, the books of the Bible are, n- are not arranged chronologically, like the order in which they happen. They are arranged in a different way. They are arranged by literary category um, and then listed in order of length by the number of words. Um, How about that? Did you know that? Interesting, isn't it? Um, So if you look at the New Testament, um, the the first four books, we call it Gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And even those are not in order of length because you have what's called a synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that uh, they, there's a synopsis of the life of Jesus. And then you have the Gospel of John, which is like a whole different, you know, uh, it's like the difference between a Caesar salad and a fruit salad. They're, they're both salad, but they're not the same. It's very different. 
um, but I'm not going to talk about that. Um, then after that comes the book of Acts, and the book of Acts comes after the Gospels, and it's by itself, although it's a very long book. It's not longer than Romans, um, because it's a book of history. Um, it's not a letter. Uh, it's not a gospel. It's a book of history, the history of the beginning of the church. Um, and then all the letters of Paul are together. Um, then the letters, uh, letter to the Hebrews, the letters of James, of Peter, of John, and Jude, and finally the prophetic book of Revelation that's on its own. Uh, and it comes last because it's kind of like the beginning of the story, not the end, the beginning. Um, so as far as our studies together have gone, uh, if you haven't been here since April 2013, which there are not very many of you have been here that long, so I'm happy about that. But we have worked through Galatians, Thessalonians, Corinthians, Romans, Ephesians, and now we're on to, you know, what comes next? <laughs> See, I've now got you all scrambled up. It's Philippians. Philippians and Colossians are actually in the are in chronological order. Yahoo! Uh, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians are in chronological order. It just happened to work out that way. Um, that one is a little bit shorter than the one before it. So that's how they got in that spot. Um, so <clears throat> within the letters of Paul, they break down into categories as well. Um, and we've talked about that a little bit before. But Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon um, make up what are called the prison epistles. Uh, that uh, letters written by the Apostle Paul while he was imprisoned in Rome. Uh, do you know what an epistle is, just out of curiosity? It's not an apostle's wife. I'll give you that hint. It's a, it's a letter, right? Uh, it doesn't have to be a letter from an apostle in order to be an epistle. It's just a... I don't know, somebody's fancy. They could just say a letter. It would be a lot easier. They didn't write it in English, just in case you're wondering. Uh, anyway. So these, these letters were written by the Apostle Paul while he's in prison in Rome. And the theme of these letters was really to instruct the church on how to participate in the church's mission. Uh, what are we here to do, and how are we supposed to be doing it? Um, as Craig reminded us last week, our mission as a church is to share the gospel with every creature, all right? Uh, to baptize them and to teach them to obey all that Jesus commanded us. Uh, so that's, uh, that's what these letters are really about uh, and what they're for. Now, the letter to the Philippians is a letter that's full of thanksgiving and joy. Uh, uh, even though Paul was imprisoned while he wrote it, uh, it is... It is by far one of the most fortune cookie books of the Bible, where just lots of little pieces have been taken out and they stuck uh, on something without complete understanding in context, uh, and they're, they're stuck to calendars and coffee mugs. Uh, the T-shirt manufacturers of the world owe a lot to the book of Philippians, um, those Christian T-shirt makers. And I hope that... Um, over the course of our study, we can get a more accurate handle on uh, some of the statements that, uh, that Paul makes so that we don't attempt foolish things like uh, try to fly by jumping off a bridge and claiming, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The Bible says so, and splat. Uh, so we want to try to get a little context. That was really a lot funnier in my mind. 
the I need a louder splat to make it up. Maybe next week. All right. <laughs> or perhaps not. <coughs> yeah. Okay. So anyway, before we get into this letter, um, I would like to look in actually into the book of Acts so that we can get a little background. <coughs> Excuse me. Wow. Sorry. Um, you heard that one. Yeah. Uh, so we can get a little uh, background on how Paul came uh, to plant the church in the city uh, of Philippi, which is on the coast of Macedonia. So let's look at Acts 16.6, and that's page 9.25 in the pew bottles, if you're interested, uh, and it'll be up here on the screen as well, I believe. So Acts 16.6, we'll start at verse 6. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to Mycenae, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on, t on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, I want to stop right there. We're going to read more out of this chapter, but because I'm kind of a, a Bible nerd, um, I, I, I want to point out a subtle change that you see in the book of Acts here um, in these first four verses. Now, to test you, who wrote the book of Acts? Don't say the Holy Spirit. That's a cop-out. Daniel, Luke. Okay, so Luke, where, where was Luke from? Where was Luke from? Anybody know where he lived? France? Dallas? Tennessee? No. <laughs> he lived in Troas. Do you know how I know that? It's right here. We just read it. Look, um, how do we know that Luke was from Troas? From these, these first four verses here that we looked at, Used uh, Luke used the words they and them until uh, until he recorded that Paul and his team visited Troas. And then what changes? He says we and us. Right? That's where Luke joined up. Everything before that, he was told a story and wrote it down. And everything after that in the book of Acts, he was there. So I wrote it in first person. Neat. <laughs> Congratulations, you now have that information. That's life-changing, isn't it? I, like I said, you want to be a Bible nerd. That's the kind of stuff you're looking for. I don't know. It's fun. Anyway, so let's keep going. Let's look at verse 11. So, setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace and the following day to Neapolis and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city in the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days, and on the Sabbath day we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the women who had gathered together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. 
the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Now, when you stop right there again, just more Bible nerd stuff. Um, what's interesting about uh, Paul going outside of the city to find a place of prayer uh, by the river, and there's only women gathered there. What that means is that the Jewish presence was very small in the city of Philippi because in order to have a synagogue in those days, which is where the Jews gathered to worship and for instruction and fellowship, you had to have ten men, not ten ladies, ten men. So what this says is that because they had to go outside the city, find a place of prayer, and found women there, there were not ten Jewish men in the city of Philippi. How about that? It's interesting, right? So you have a few ladies um, who are worshipers of God meet by the river to pray. And Paul went and shared the gospel with them, and they were compelled to listen and receive the Lord. That's pretty cool. Now, anybody reads through the New Testament and say, Hoy, what about the women? Okay, read Acts chapter 16. You see women very important in the early church and still are. Anyway. So... Okay, we keep going. This is this is fun. I'm having a good time. I don't know about you. Clock's still ticking. All right, so verse 16. <laughs> I love baseball. Um, as the, we're not going to have a closing song. Let's close in prayer. No, I'm just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> I had an extra cup of coffee this morning, too. Yeah. All right, verse 16. <laughs> as we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to you all the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned to her and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. I have a lot to say about what that little girl was doing and who, who was giving her the power. So if you're reading your fortune in the newspaper, just know that's not from the Lord. It's from the enemy. Just saying. I'll not preach on that this morning. Verse 19. When her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said... These men are Jews, and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in his stocks. Here, I just, again, point out, not everything that you think is bad is for bad purpose. Okay? Keep that in mind. We'll keep reading. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. 
no ordinary earthquake. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them that same hour of the night and washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. Going to prison is a pretty bad rep, isn't it? Not when God's at work, which is always. Verse 35, But when it was day, the magistrates sent to the police, send the police, saying, Let these men go. And the jailer reported these words to Paul, saying, The magistrates have sent to let you go. Therefore, come out now and go in peace. But Paul said to them, They have beaten us publicly, uncondemned, men who are Roman citizens, and have thrown us into prison. And do they now throw us out secretly? No. Let them come themselves and take us out. The police reported these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens. So they came and apologized to them, and they took them out and asked them to leave the city. So they went out of the prison and visited Lydia, and when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed. Now, although there are a lot of sermons there um, in those verses, a lot of lessons for us to learn, I'll just give those snippets. I just want to give a little background before we move on to Philippians and jump into the epistle itself. So now that we know about Lydia and the demon-possessed girl and the riots and the public beatings, the jailer and his conversion and his family, let's look at the the letter Paul wrote to these brothers and sisters in the church and, uh, and in and around the city of Philippi. When they received this uh, letter from Paul, his, his friends received this letter, there were no um, handy chapter divisions or verse numbers or subheadings. Um, and the church didn't gather to read these verses uh, one verse at a time, uh, one, one Sunday and the next verse the next Sunday. Uh, they read the letter. Um, they read the whole thing. So guess what we're going to do? We're going to read the whole thing. And we trust the Holy Spirit to be the commentator and the preacher. So you can look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. That's page 980 in a pew Bible or up on a screen. Holy Spirit, bless your word. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy 
because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by my life or by my death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which, shall, which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation, and that from God. It has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also the interests of others. Having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, 
being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him, who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, but not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with his father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me, and I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same thing to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worshipped by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, 
becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Yodia and entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have received your concern, revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble, and you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you send me help for my need once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To God our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen.
Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with your spirit. Amen. May God bless his word. Let's pray. Lord, your word is more powerful than any words I have. It's more effective than any sermon I could give. I pray that your spirit would allow these words to sink deep into our hearts, that we could hear your voice, sense your love through your servant's words. Pray that your grace would be on us all as we learn to know you and love you more. We are so grateful. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.